Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jack Farmer. I'm coming to you live from the world famous Elite of the Week studios. And have we got a show for you? We've got the Good Brothers, we've got the Lucha Brothers, and we even have the Young Bucks, who are also brothers. But before we bring back all the razzle and dazzle that makes this show what it is, allow me to introduce to you the guy who I call my partner on the show. I forgot to give him a good introduction. He needs no introduction anyway, so let's bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Flobo Boys. Flobo, how you doing, buddy? Man, I am doing well. 13 days into the new year, and I'm already like, this is already the longest year ever. But I'm so glad to be with you, Jack. The lead of the week is back. Did we call this season two? Let's call it season two. It's a new day, a new era, a new type of show. Something I've been talking about just a little bit on social media and teasing is that we're going to have a new format. One of the reasons we took a bit of a break over the holidays is because, one, I wanted to break over the holidays. It's my show. I do what I want. But two, I wanted to find a way to create something that makes the show just a little bit different. So today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Allow me to explain. It's going to be a little bit confusing, I think, for some people, but we'll all get the hang of it soon. So the way the show is going to start working, it's not just going to be a review show, Flo, but we're not just going to talk about all the same old stuff everyone else is talking about. This is Elite of the Week, and what that means is I have gotten together and I have ranked 10 of the top superstars of the show today. Can I call them that? I don't know. We'll call them the elitists. I don't know. Maybe that's not the right way to say it either, but I've ranked them one through 10, and I'm going to go through the list starting at number one, and you're going to discuss with me whether or not you think they fit in that spot. If you agree, if you disagree, this is our first time doing this. We haven't even done a practice run. So if you're watching now, this could be a horrible train wreck. I haven't even paced the show. I don't know how long we're supposed to ramble about each of these. It's going to be a mess, and you're all invited to join. So what's going to happen? So I'm going to I'm going to start. I'm going to start with number one, and we're going to work our way down to number 10. And uh, what's really fun about this, Flobo, is as we do this, uh, I'm going to keep track of who gets what ranking each week. And at the end of the year, I'm going to have a little point system set up so that at the end of the year, we can have a true blue best of the year award show where we count down the top of the year with a perfect system. How does that sound? So let me get this straight. Every single week, you're going to rank the top 10 or top 10 superstars, the tag teams or moments of the show. And you're keeping track of everything. At the end of the year, we're going to have a giant celebration. Yeah, man, why not? I love that. Yep. I love ranking things with asterisks. Yes. And so, <laughs> and so just so you know how the point system works, I, I like to be up front. Anytime someone gets ranked number one, they get 10 points. If they get ranked number two, they get nine, three, eight, and so on and so forth until they get down to the rank of 10th, in which case you get one point. At the end of the year, we're just going to add them all up and rank them that way. It's simple. So if you follow along, you could keep track on a spreadsheet, but I'll do the heavy lifting. I'll keep the spreadsheet going because I'm a nerd, and that's what I do. Uh, Early prediction, the number one winner of the entire year, Darby Allen. Really? Interesting. Putting it down now. Interesting pick. Interesting pick. If you're in the chat, we got Haywood Monch. Thank you guys so much for joining us, by the way. Um, 
put your predictions in. Who do you think is going to end the year with the most points? Also, if you're watching this on YouTube or whatever, leave a comment there as well or on Spotify or iTunes or wherever. We're going to figure this out. We're going to rank it. We're going to start with the number one ranked person today. Ten points. Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega what? gets the number one pick today. He came in today with a 36-10 and 10 record, which just seems insane that he had that many matches. I don't remember him having that many matches, but, hey, I'm not going to argue. That's what they say. Not only did he have a big match today that he won, it helped him build up to a pay-per-view event, hard to kill for a different company, but the real reason, the thing that made me want to put him at number one, Flobo, wasn't just that he won in a huge, awesome match. It no, was so. that he pulled a super alpha move and he cold-shouldered the AEW Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks, to their face on their own show in front of their own boss. Flobo, how do you get it. bigger than that? That I is the moment of the night. Am I wrong? I get it. When you slight people, Jack goes, oh, bonus points. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The second night of New Year's Smash. We're talking the waiting room. We're talking We're talking Darby Allen, my boy. We're talking Team FTW figuring out what they want to do out of their lives. You give it to Kenny Omega, a man that's supposed to be the top. He's supposed to be the world champion. But he has Don Callis talking for him, and he has a good brother's fight for him. And you rank him number one. How dare you, Jack? He did something so smart. He aligned himself with a tag team. And I've always said, you can't call yourself the best tag team in the world if you don't have the titles. Wait. And the Young Bucks don't have the Impact Championship titles. So they can't call themselves the best in the world. Wow. I mean, all jokes aside, this that is, is a, a joke. That is, this is a power play. Am I not? Am I wrong? I mean, not because he could have had everybody he could have yeah. kept the young bucks and and had them on his team and brought them out and kept everything copacetic and happy kept the the two sweets together as they ended last but he said nah man i am a bigger deal than that i am picking sides i only want the best of the best i'm cutting the fat i'm calling the herd and i think that makes him the number one star plus he's the AEW champion it's hard to argue the guy with the big gold belt right well i can't ever penetrate the jack farber top 10 list but i say riddle me this let's pull back the curtain this is all for show let's go backstage i would say that the Good Brothers aren't your favorite tag team. But all of a sudden today, they're 10 points worthy, or at least helping Kenny Omega to get 10 points. I smell chicanery and skullduggery, Jack Farmer. I have never once in my life besmirched oh my the Good Brothers. Yes, you do, all the time. You're like, not I, so Good Brothers. Dude, that's your like, thing. I've always said, I've always said, it's all about being the best tag team in the world. And I've always said the best tag team has the championships. They have the titles. Some people think I have something against the Young Bucks. I just call them like I see them. Wow. The, Who, the Young titles. Bucks, by the way, looked like punks today not only did they get punked by their good friend kenny omega but then they got punked later in the night when they tried to bring peace to the world it was a bad night for the bucks but kenny omega you're the number one guy um speaking of number one people i just want to reiterate real quick thanks for everyone who's been piling in on the chat and joining us live 
It means so much to us that you guys are joining us. Again, let me know who you guys think are, what's your top 10 of the night? I'd love to hear what you guys think. Leave in the comments and while you're there, if you could hit the like button, comment, subscribe, share, five-star reviews, all that good stuff. It's what keeps us on the air. It's what gets us out there. What's keep people talking. It, you know, it's all that good stuff. Flobo, we need them to do it, right? Fair enough, we should, and let them know that how you're so wrong by picking Kenny Omega as number one today, or this I, week. I would love, real quick, everyone, just hit us with your top three. I want to get some ideas of who you thought was the top <laughs> <Some> three. <ideas. laughs> uh, so, um, we're off to a good start. We're off to a good start. <laughs> I, I hate your guts already, so I guess so. <laughs> <Yeah>. What? <laughs> you're going to hate them even more, because we're going to number two here. Dude. Number two, we're coming at at you with the bastard pack he Ooh. came back looking jack looking strong he had a top rope drop kick into a kip up which i have to believe left him wheezing for breath because i don't know how else you do it that's crazy but i think he's taking this team that i know they have a cool like triangle of death name but i'm calling them the underdogs i'm calling them the underdogs because it's three guys who are underrated underappreciated and underutilized and he's making them seem so much more dangerous he got a massive win against eddie kingston who just got done challenging for the title in a match that a lot of people thought he may have won but he comes out here he has a great match. He wins. And I, my favorite part about this match, Flobo, and the, one of the reasons I put him up here is because he puts the brutalizer on Eddie Kingston afterwards. He's not just your goody two-shoe loser. He's like, nah, you want to mess with me? I'm going to mess you up. Pack also standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with Lance Archer. That's got to put him up there in the top two, right? Uh, yeah, I was the top three. I think it was a solid choice to pick Pack. Everything was riding on him. He had been gone for a long time. He had his, his uh, re-debut, I guess, a couple weeks ago. It looked pretty solid, and he came out and showed out. But the one thing that would prevent me from him from putting in the top three, and we texted the, I texted you about this while it was happening, it was as awesome as Eddie Kingston is on the microphone, as charismatic as he is riling the troops, his win-loss record is, is not indicative of strength of competition. Pat beat Eddie Kingston, not denying it. Put the brutalizer on him, super cool. But is Eddie Kingston the threat he was three months ago, six weeks ago, four weeks ago? I don't know. Not against a certified thigh guy like Pack, but... Oh, he's in there? Great. <laughs> um, uh, the thing about Eddie Kingston, you and I chatted about this offline a little bit. Uh, I was saying that I kind of think of him as the Elias of AEW. This guy who comes out, does something that is always super entertaining, always has people interested. I think he can work a mic great. I think he can develop things the way he needs to doesn't always come out on the winning end and I don't know how often he ever will or how often he ever needs to because he look he came into this match and I think we all knew that this was Pac's match to win but he made a he made a match out of it at the end of the day yeah the match was, was solid and and if you never saw Eddie Kingston before you know he does have a not a stigma but he's known for his more hardcore stuff and Eddie as the boys can say can't go not denying anything the match told a fantastic story you can clip this match out and put it on youtube people are like oh that's pretty solid but as i look at eddie kingston's age and he's on the older side of the roster age is not just a number we have dustin runnels on that same roster and he's fantastic and i look at his stamina and i look at his win-loss record i'm starting to worry that when eddie kingston comes out it isn't 
oh, you're going to get it. It's, oh, level two boss. And so something has to change. I'm not sure if that means going down the card and taking out some lower people or just going strictly to a managerial role. But I think the fact that Pac beat Eddie Kingston is the only way I wouldn't put him in number two. Monge is saying that he could be Bray 2.0, the eater of pins. Uh, so uh, would you be happy with him going to dark and bolstering up the numbers, so to speak? Goldberging up some numbers, so to speak? I think so, but I think that, uh, AEW strength, I think they do it better than most uh, North American wrestling promotions, is give them something to do digitally. Make Eddie Kingston a digital household name. I know that's kind of a weird concept now with viewership all splintered with everyone's second and third screen, but it doesn't have to be just the elite. I mean, why not give this guy some platform to do his best promo work, to show how he approaches life? I think he's really an interesting character. It's kind of like, what's this guy doing here? You know, everyone's all elite. He's all grimy. Why? Uh, but yeah, until that happens, it's kind of like, well, how's he going to lose this one? Oh, okay, great. Well, I think you make a good point because something about AEW is that they're very big into letting their uh, the, the people who work there do digital things, or maybe not let them, but kind of almost like they promote it with uh, being the elite and Sammy Guevara's vlog or um, uh, all the other different things that they do uh, in social media and digitally. And, and Eddie Kingston had a great post uh, Brody Lee episode speech yeah. that was going around for a long time. Man, that guy can talk. He's one of those mm -hmm. people that just like oozes passion whenever he talks. But um, he did take an L here. He took a hard loss, and that's why Pat goes to number two. Um, now we move on to number three. Number so what, three. Eight points. So this will be for eight points, and I am giving it to the best man, Miro. He goes into this match undefeated came out looking strong and had one of the faster matches in AEW dynamite and for as long as i can remember they don't do many short matches flobo yeah. and this one was very short and he beat a guy in um chuck taylor who by the way just had an amazing very tough hardcore tag team match in a parking lot with his buddy trent miro's taking them both out single-handedly proud and powerful together couldn't beat the best friends. Miro, basically by himself, has put Trent on the shelf. And now, he didn't just beat Chuck Taylor, but now Chuck Taylor is his young boy or his butler. They're saying young boy last week. I had no idea what that meant, but they said butler this week. So I'm assuming that's what it means. Yeah, young boy uh, is a whole different connotation, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just saying what they say. I, I got you. I, I, pre I present the news, Flobo. This is... Yeah. Uh, in wrestling, if you talk, it's called the news. That's how it works. But okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so beats Chuck Taylor and then uh, stares down Orange Cassidy, who last big rivalry he had was a win over the champion. So this was a big night for Miro in a lot of ways, I think, kind of his coming out party. How do you feel about Miro? Uh, absolutely. Before I even get to that, I want to shout out to Manji, just Formula One point standings. Absolutely. Hashtag George Russell. Um, look, I am not disagreeing with you. I do think that Mira should have been in the top three. I probably would have swapped out 
Kenny Omega for something else. We'll talk about this episode. But yeah, mm-hmm. this, this Miro is the best Miro. Look, it, it was an unfinished product when it debuted in All Elite Wrestling. I had my concerns. I said, oh, he's wearing these kind of shorts. He's doing this kind of thing. It's too much of a video game gimmick. What we're seeing now are the seeds planted of what Miro could potentially be. I know this segment of the card is one that always swaps out. There's a couple of Lance Archer weeks. They get pulled back. Oh, it's a couple of Brian Cage weeks. gets pulled back. But I do think that of these characters, of these competitors, I do believe that our one main event can be owned by Miro, much like how we did it back up in Connecticut. And I think this is the start of it. So I think a third spot for this one would be what I would do it too if I was doing the same list and point spreads. You know, the thing about the back burner is it's still going to get that kettle going off eventually. He's been back there. He's slowly heating up, slowly turning into a boil, and soon you're going to hear the whistle of the tea kettle, and it'll be time to drink some tea, Flobo. Oh, yeah. I think Miro has so well. I don't think it was flashy. I don't think there was a lot of razzle-dazzle, as I think a lot of people thought was going to happen. But he's seated himself within the company. He's seated himself with a lot of rivalries and friends. He's got a lot of different directions he can go. He's got a lot of mobility right now. And with an undefeated record, and not just an undefeated record, but a pretty barbaric win streak when you look at how he's done it, uh, and like yeah. I said, it looks like we are looking at an Orange Cassidy Miro match, which should be a blockbuster. I don't know if it's going to happen at Beach Break. I don't know if it's going to happen uh, down the road at the next pay per view, but I'm looking forward to that. Would you be down for a a Miro Orange Cassidy, or are you like, man, Orange Cassidy? Let's let's give him a break for a little bit. Uh, I would have said that any other point about Orange Cassidy after the whole Jericho thing, but I think this is perfect for him. I think Orange Cassidy in a match against someone. In this position, in the mid card, I know I'm using inside of terms, but in the mid card, who what does mid card mean? It's this thing where you're not the last match, but you're also the first match of a thing. It's crazy. It's not it's middle of the card. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, okay, who has cards true. anymore? Okay, so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. This is like classic Orange Cassidy. This was him frustrating a much larger opponent with the stuff and style he's used to. This is the stuff that's premium content. It may be a reset for Orange Cassidy. Hopefully, they'll use this as a time to really tweak what Orange Cassidy means after he gets the stink of that Jericho angle. And yes, I did say stink because even though All Elite Wrestling is different, a Mimosa Mayhem match should never have happened. It was a little silly. I'll give him that. But I agree with you because I also I think not just that um, this will play into how Orange Cassidy's style works, but... I have a feeling Miro is going to be a star during that rivalry because I think that the way he knows how to use comedy and the way he knows how to use the microphone is also going to play into exactly the kind of stuff Orange Cassidy does. And I think they're going to have a lot of great chemistry on the microphone and as far as how they interact with each other even before the match starts. I think this is a perfect pairing for a big match. That's why I hope it's not beach break. I hope they make people pay for it because I think you can get some money out of it. Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> I'll watch that for sure. <laughs> yeah, so take our money, uh, AEW. It's <laughs> very appreciated. Um, so we're moving on to number four. We're now out of the gold, silver, and bronze portion of the show. We're into the mid-card, Flobo. Uh, you could say it's not the mid card. It's just the number fourth position. And this is where I think you and I will start agreeing Darby Allen coming in at number four, retaining that TV title, the TNT title, I should say. He took a brutal beating. I can't believe he got thrown around and beat down so much. A hell of a beating is what it says in my notes. 
I love the coffin drop onto the steel steps outside. I love the fun use and, and then the brains of how he used the belt to try to get a bit of leverage on someone as big as, as Brian Cage. Now you're probably saying to yourself, Jack, he won the main event. He retained the title and he beat a guy like Brian Cage. Why isn't he higher up? Why isn't he number one? And that's because he took a beating the whole match, Flobo. And if it weren't for Sting coming out, I don't think he's the, the TNT champion right now. I wow. think he owes Sting big time for this. And if I'm Tony Khan, I'm like, uh, yeah, you're probably going to have to re have a rematch because that was Cage's match. Tony Khan wasn't paying attention. He was still backstage consulting the Young Bucks. But uh, no, I get you. Like, he didn't really look that dominant. But first of all, can I just say that I, I, I'll admit it now. I will definitely, I've been giving it flack for the longest time. But the title now looks pretty cool. I'm just saying, mm -hmm. putting it out there. Uh, the Black Strap is what it should have been in the first place. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Darby Allen has shown so much growth as a character. Grant doesn't say as much. Uh, but but the idea now you see him overcome things. It's just it's, it isn't just him like having the the fighting spirit, but it's having the fighter spirits and showing damage, which is a little bit of a progression. And we still don't know what Sting wants a hundred percent. So there's a bit of a mystic there, which I think works for both men. And so yeah, definitely top five for me. I think four is a solid place for this one, and I can't fault you for not giving the top spot. I, uh, I loved that Sting got a little physical this time. Uh, I, I feel like it's def that one's definitely been a slow burn, and an impatient Jack is starting to say, I want to know what's going on with Sting here. But I like that he slowly came in. I think Ricky Starks had like five gifable moments throughout this match, by the way, with yeah. different facial expressions and, and things he was doing. He's I love Ricky Starks. He's such a, such a great addition to that show. Will uh, he be but, the top of the card at one point? Do you think that he will be the, the face of the, the new AEW? And by new, I mean like original characters that new fans will gravitate towards. I think he certainly can. He has everything. I think he's so good on the microphone. He's such a good character. The, the way he dresses, the way he carries himself, the way he wrestles, he has everything. My only gripe with him is he wins with a spear, and I'm so over that move that... Just, Aren't you just cheering Goldberg to go for appearing? Goldberg, I'm so excited for Goldberg. He's gonna he's gonna be the new champion. Uh, no, because when you see Goldberg spear, Goldberg's Goldberg spears people. Everyone else, I just there's too many, man. I just see it too too. It's been it's been the most commonly used finisher. I think super it, kicks too. Yeah, but super kicks don't finish anymore. Really, I mean, who oh, went yeah. well, to a, a, a super kick anymore? Spoiler: Don't watch NXT this week. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, but I mean, between him and Lashley and Edge and Batista and um, Charlotte, Charlotte Blair, there's just too many of them. That's why I don't like. That's why I don't. I'm not against the spear. I'm just like, come on, let's let's use something. Well, Rhino is a gore. Does that count or no? Does a gore count? Rhino is a gore because he picks them up and like carries them a minute. Oh, that, maybe I not a minute. Lash, I think Lashley spears a gore then. And welcome to the Is It a Spear or Not a Spear podcast. <laughs> it's a spear chat. Uh... <laughs> spear chat. Sponsored by Spearmint Gum. Right. Yeah. Uh, Making that Dallas. 
So now I have a little little quick break in the breakdown. I've got segments, Flobo. Are you so oh, excited? Yeah, I'm um, surprised. But, That's by the way, <laughs> if anyone wants to help with some graphics or music for these segments, <laughs> that would be fantastic. It's yeah, all it professional. Mikey Rogers. What's up? So um, back in the original heyday of Elite of the Week, back before it was even known as Elite of the Week, it was known as a different show. And we had a little segment called The Runway. Well, I'm Ooh. bringing back the best dressed portion of the night flobo i think it's a part that i think can't be missed great attires mean so much to me i have a feeling you're gonna hate me for this one maybe you'll love it i don't know but someone took a risk i think it paid off cody rhodes with the green jacket i haven't seen one of those without winning a golfing tournament in so long I thought it was cool. It stood out. It was different. Distracted me from the neck tattoo. It was amazing. Oh, wow. The green jacket to me just looks like Jack Nicholson to walk in there and be like, hey, where's Tiger? I could not. That was an offensive shade of lawn green, but leave it to Jack to enjoy that one. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. I think it's very easy to come out in the same colored shirts and, and, and coats and jackets and things like that every week in and week out. I think taking a risk on green was a risk i think it paid off sure he looked like the riddler but it's fine <laughs> right it's fine, <laughs> that's not a thing well okay i'm gonna hinge batman villain but it's cool I think, I think it's cool i think you should you should reward people for taking risks i thought it looked great i'm giving him the award who did you think was the best dressed mister not the walking green screen uh <laughs> uh yeah you know Richard Sarks is always a solid choice for sure but I hated that jacket. It hated would be it. great. If you walked in front of a green screen, he'd look like a floating head. Right. So I thought he was the best dressed. Let me know what you guys thought of the green jacket in the chat. I'd love to know if you thought it worked or did not work. Um, but more importantly, I'd like to know if you have any more jokes, like the Riddler or the golfing. <laughs> I like to make fun. Um, wow. So we get to number five. And now five, I have a feeling you're not going to be down with. You're not going to like it. You're going to be against it. I'm putting the Lucha Bros at number five. They Ooh, okay. Not only did their team come out with a strong win early in the night against the family, I guess we're calling Kingston's group, but then they came out and they aided Moxley Phoenix. I think damn near touched the ceiling when he jumped up off those ropes, took him out, and brought the fight to uh impact wrestling tony shivani one of the best lines of the night and i think one that will echo throughout the episodes they're out here to to the aid of aew if nothing else that to me felt like the moment where they were saying this is a war this is where it's really happening it's going down impact versus aew the battle lines felt drawn a little bit, and it felt drawn because the Lucha brothers were there, and they stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with the good brothers. And I think that is what really is going to open up a lot of fights and a lot of battles between these two locker rooms. Well, uh, surprise, Soka. I agree with you. I think it definitely was the top five moment. Uh, one of the things, one of the gripes I had about the AEW Impact thing, war, promo, was like, what does it mean? 
Right. So if you are a fan of AEW, you have to introduce an entire company that we haven't seen because I'm not trying to bury Impact, but the footprint, the viewers week to week, or is a fraction of AEW. You have to give me reason to care about Impact. Is that Don Callis can't do the work himself? And we finally get to see some good brother actions too. But the thing is, the second step is saying that here's a threat that's so threatening to them that the Lucha Bros attack. So that pushed that storyline better than I thought to in one segment or less. So I can't knock it. It should be a top five moment. Hell, hell, Lucha Bros. It was a little interesting that they were helping Moxley instead of Pack, though. That's kind of a weird dynamic that seems to be constantly shifting. But um, I was, I want to say be nice, but I mean, <laughs> he calls it. He wins uh, a match and he puts a guy in the submission afterwards? A, a bad guy? Like, come on. <laughs> I like it. That's, that's, that's how I like it. You got to be ruthless in this yeah. business. Flow. You know what it is? It's like that twisted T meme where the guy like cracks it over the face and goes, oh, you good? <laughs> you good? <laughs> Say you good. <laughs> That's what I felt like. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, um, so uh, speaking of are you good and twisted T, at number six, it has nothing to do with twisted T yeah. or are you good. Uh, um, number six the Good Brothers. I know you're giving me a hard time about these two, but they stole the spot from the AEW Tag Team Champions, and that is such a good way to put some stank on an undefeated tag team record within AEW. Flobo, they came in. They looked great. They took the fight to the to the uh, Varsity Blondes and Danny Limelight. They looked great in there. They looked like a dangerous, scary team. And I'm excited for Hard to Kill for Impact. I was watching this, and I was like, man, this is a good showing for these guys. Have I been wrong about the Good Brothers? Oh, yeah, you've totally been wrong about the Good Brothers. They're pretty solid. I think that's they're above average. In fact, I think them being six isn't that bad. What's surprising, you put Kenny Omega number one, and there's so much daylight between number one and number six. The segment was great. Danny Limelight, your boy. Uh, had a pretty, pretty good showing in his match, but the Good Brothers are here to stay. Like I said, established attack in the division. The impact is actually a threat. They took out some formidable competition. They had all the marks. Yeah, I um, I really liked this. I think going into it, um, I would have preferred to see the Young Bucks one because I think it's, they're, they're exciting, they're fun. Um, but yeah, I feel like this just made this whole thing feel dirty. I love that it now feels like maybe the Young Bucks aren't so excited about this. I, I'm glad that it's not so clean and cut because everyone's been like, it's the Bullet Club, it's the Elite, it's so cool. I like that they're like, no, 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 no. We're going to add another layer to this. We're going to make this a little more difficult and a little less obvious along the way. Now different things are happening, and I think it just spiced things up in a way that, I don't know, I didn't see coming. So I'm excited about it. Whose side Young Bucks are on, we'll never know. Well, if they want to be the best tag team in the world, they got to win the championships. That's the rules. I don't make them. they are. <sighs> Continue. Uh, if they were the champions, they wouldn't have gotten blocked right out in front of their own studio. Wait, and then hold, hold. right in front of their own ring. And then, by the way, get punked again later in the night. So you mean to tell me that two months ago or three months ago when Kay Omega literally blocked Rich Swan from boarding the bus, <laughs> Rich Swan wasn't the champion of Impact at the time? No, Kenny Omega was the champ on that episode. Wow. Tell me, 
tell me, tell me you watched that episode with Kenny Omega in his uh, RV and Rich Swan getting blocked. You tell me you weren't like, man, Kenny's the champ. I have no comment here. And to follow that up tonight, the Good Brothers were the champs. That's the rule. I mean, watch that. Watch the show and tell me that the Good Brothers aren't the champs. I don't know, man. Because using that logic, then Sheeta isn't the champion either, and that's a whole other pack of pickles, my friend. It is a whole other pack of pickles, and we're going to talk about it tonight. But not until we talk about a different guy that we say, is he a champion? That's right. At number seven, it's Brian Cage. He comes in the reigning and defending FTW champion, trying to become a two-time champion, going up against Darby Allen. And I'm telling you, if I'm Brian Cage, I thought he was going to run out of moves. I don't know how many moves he could have done. I think he hit every single move. It felt like I was playing a video game and I was just rolling through, like trying to check all the moves of Brian Cage. How many goes strong grab up, strong grab down, strong grab left, strong grab right. He was going through everything. He was putting on a clinic, uh, but he came up short. So he comes up a little farther down the, down the list here. I understand Brian Cage showing out because he doesn't get featured in these matches that often. Mr. GMSI, the original. So, yeah, get his S in. I'm not knocking that. But in the scale of championships, which one's more legitimate? AEW's FTW, TNA's uh, Impact Championship, or TNA's Championship, the 24-7 title? These titles are on people's waist. They have to mean something. And I think the longer we do this, the longer we play this game where someone comes out with the prop, it's going to be almost a joke when he does it. So Brian Cage, either defend that title or retire that title, I think that's going to hurt his rank on this show as you move forward do you think um that because it is interesting he's had it he's never defended it it's just sort of a thing he he has at this point if they quietly took it off him and they just quietly quit mentioning it would you be okay or would you call shenanigans and say no i want him to defend it or i want them to retire it or do something with it it'd be lame but i'll accept it it'd be like man it'd be kind of cool if this had a story but the fact is, it's not doing anything. I'd rather them just walk away than, than have the whole big, like, where's my belt? It was stolen by Dwight the Clown. Swerve. Real talk. If they took it off, if they did quietly get rid of it and quit mentioning it and he quit coming out with it, how many weeks would go by before you noticed it was gone? I was like, two? Two, three? Two or three? Yeah, because I was like, wait a minute, isn't he the... Because I think what it would be, it would be commentary. Because commentary tells me all the time he's the FEW champion, or the packages. But I have no idea in the actual matches, he's working like a real champ. I did think it was funny how they were like, the NWA women's champion, big round of applause for them. Anyways, now it's time for the FTW champion. We don't recognize this title. <laughs> like, yeah. neither, neither of those titles are AEW titles, but they really like laid it in. <laughs> I think Taz has a point. They are kind of disrespectful to it when they put uh, it like that. Well, what is it? I mean, FTW has changed meanings when it was first invented. That's how old that belt is. What does it mean here in this context? Tell me. <laughs> Fear the wrestling? Yes, that's Fear the Wrestling. <laughs> Brian Cage, Fear the Wrestling. Um, no, but I made a comment about it before, but if you are Tony Khan and you're looking at the TNT title rankings and seeing how things went down at the end of the show tonight, you have to give Brian Cage another match. That was Brian Cage's match. He won that match. I mean, sure, there was a bit of sting involved at the end, but if, come on, you watched that match. If this was 
any other combat sports company and a challenger beat the crap out of a champion that yeah. bad that long, they would say, yeah, we got to do this again. You know, you can't fault AEW, you can't fault Tony Khan if that would be the case. I mean, frankly, they, that division is oddly thin for the amount of talent they have on that roster. But, the dude, I am done with Darby versus FEW. I am done. Like, it's some weeks it's like this hardcore David versus Goliath, like, epic clash. And sometimes it's like a Tom and Jerry battle. I need to know what this is about. I don't want to see it again, but if it happens, eh. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so now it's time for another... Uh... Time for another uh, segment. Are you ready? Do they have to beatbox this one too? I got a new. I got a. This one is more of a. Wah, wah, wah. It's the dud of the week. Someone gets ranked last. Someone has the worst night of the night. This is no disrespect, Flobo. It's not being mean. Is it's this just rank ten or is it like rank eleven? You get no points. Oh no! I ranked every single person on the show. Oh, wow. There was 25 people on this show that got ranked, Flobo. And this person got the worst one. This was the worst ranking of the show. Coming in with a sneaky good win-loss record over the past nine matches, a 7-2. and two. Unfortunately, Chuck Taylor is mm. the dud of the week. He got smashed by Miro. But it wasn't just a big loss to a personal opponent. It was the fact that now he's a young boy now he's a butler can i keep saying young boy what does that mean is that is that uh, like an offensive thing is that why they quit saying not it necessarily offensive so why my understanding it's kind of like you do the duties of a butler plus you open yourself up for other things oh a butler he's a <laughs> yes. butler yes <laughs> <laughs> well he's a butler um i think he's great but like He's, that, that, that's got to be the worst, right? Taking a brutal beating and now a butler. Yeah, imagine if you were to buy stock and and Chuck Taylor over the summer and you said, oh, you picked the mom's van, this is great. And then now seeing that, you're just like, wow, how the mighty have fallen. So yeah, if there was a ranking, you'd probably be dead last. I would say that, though, speaking of stock, now that he's taken this loss, now that his stock has dropped, now would probably be a good time to buy, though. Because I think it's going to go back up. But for right now, today, man, this is your just plummeting day. The dud of the week. Chuck Taylor, I love you. You're great. You're the dud of the week. Dang. <laughs> Clip it out. Um, let him know. I had to leave the week. <laughs> uh, so at number eight, we're now at number eight. And we are going to go with. A guy who didn't even have a match tonight, Flobo, but he still gets ranked. Maybe because I like him. Maybe I'm biased. I don't care. It's my show. Totally it's talk. Hangman Adam Page still teasing whether or not he's going to join the Dark Order. The Dark Order that has a whole new attitude, a friendly, fun band of misfits that is just hard not to cheer for, especially as they're getting their wins on AEW Dark recently. But it looks like he's going to team up with them again for a big match next week. And now the hype, the hubba baloo, is all about whether or not Hangman is going to join the Dark Order. And I'm excited to see this. He teased it so well, whether or not he was happy about it or mad about it or unsure about it. But I'm very interested. I don't know what he's going to do. And the fact that I'm so invested in seeing this match next week means he's got to at least be ranked, right? Oh, yeah, I give you that, and here's the reason why. With the changing of what the Dark Order stands for, when it was a strictly a 
paint by numbers, cult-like thing. It would be kind of a weird deal to draw this out with Hangman Page because he's had the most development as a character over the past year. It may be a clash of styles. But for whatever reason, external and internal, the Dark Order is a little bit of a band of misfits, like you're saying. We're not sure if they're still doing the cultless things on the side. Is that a secret society or a society with secrets? We don't quite know. <laughs> so it'd be kind of cool to see what Hangman Page does, how he infiltrates. And what does that mean for Cole Cabana? Because he was like the weird outlier for a while, too. Yeah, as they mentioned on AEW Dark this week, why doesn't Cole Cabana have a number yet? Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. But yeah, I got I got I gotta give Hangman number eight. Number nine, another guy who didn't have a match, but he still roughed it up in the ring a little bit. Jan Moxley came out, and it takes balls to get in the ring with a bunch of killers like he did. Maybe not brains, because he got beat down quite a bit. But um, I love the fact that he still went in there, still took the beat down, and I love that it caused a breakdown afterwards with all of the locker room spilling out. I love a good locker room empty and brawl. I feel like I said before, this is a catalyst, and I like that John Moxley is still staking a claim to that world title because what happened, this is obviously only the third world champion. Jericho, he lost the title and sort of was like, okay, peace, I'm done. Yeah. I like that John Moxley, like, no, nah, man, I'm still the guy. I'm still coming for you. I'm still going to do some damage. And I like that he was involved in this match. You kind of have to have someone do that because if everyone kind of walked away from it, like, what, does, does anyone want this? Is this not prestigious? Uh, <laughs> well, also, trip trip me out is that when, when uh, John Moxley hit his finishing move, I, my brain was fried. It was like, Dirty Death Rider <laughs> Power. I was like, which one is it? Uh, no, yeah, dude, I love the fact he's back because he was gone for a while for whatever reason. It has the fire in it. You want to have that that Kenny Omega John Moxley three match in the back somewhere. That's how you do it because uh, win loss record aside, John Moxley lost that title under nefarious circumstances, and his win loss record is pretty solid without it. So even besides that, so why not have him out there and attempt? be up half the roster yeah i thought it was great i'm glad to see him um speaking of champions though flobo we're gonna go to number 10 the number 10 spot and this is someone we mentioned a little bit earlier or we alluded to a little bit earlier and that is serena deeb the nwa women's championship which has felt kind of like the AEW Women's Championship over the past few months, if I'm totally honest. And Serena Deeb just has a presence. I mean, watching her, she feels like a champion. She carries herself like a champion. Certain people do that. They just have this aura about them or this vibe about them. She feels like the champion. She just Something about her feels that you are watching a championship match when she comes out and whenever she does anything – and I believe that she is kind of representing the women's division on AEW, whether or not her title says AEW or not. It's one of the few instances where this actually works for a positive thing. I'm a character guy in wrestling. I said it a bunch of times, and I always lament and bemoan when characters are tossed on TV and be like, they're an athlete. But I think it worked for Serena Deeb because of her pedigree, because she was wrestling all over the world. She was in some of the best storylines of the past 10 years. I'm talking Straight Edge Society, the Mae Young Classic, and now AEW and NWA. All, all great things. However, I am shocked, Jack, two ways. That one, Serena Deeb is number 10 on your list. And two, the waiting room didn't even get ranked this week. Explain yourself, sir. It was tough. It really was tough. So she's, uh, this is the thing. She was ranked number 10, 
because it was a match against a contender that I don't really know has like been racking up wins. It didn't feel like a dangerous competitor. It wasn't like she faced a Thunder Rosa or a Britt Baker or a, um, uh, a Sheeta. It was it, nothing against Tay She's great, but it, you know what I mean? She wasn't someone who's been like lining up win after win after win going into this match. So sure. I think a lot of us kind of saw Serena Deeb as the favorite. The champion's always the favorite, but it felt this way in this match as well. Uh, it was a great match, but that's also why I didn't rank her higher. Uh, as far as uh, Britt Baker not being on the show, at the end of the day, there was just her segment was about so many other things. It wasn't just her. I thought it was an amazing segment. I love it. I think it's a great use of her. I, but because it's not, it, it there was so much more to it. If it wasn't for all these other people being involved, would it have been as successful? I don't know. Where Serena D was successful regardless, and she was in a match. And when you're in a match, you get a little bit more of a bump to what you did. I need to see all the rules here. Because doesn't that matter that Britt Baker, whether or not she's active competitor or in act, inactive reserve, I'm not sure what the term is in wrestling. It, doesn't it matter? Yeah, exactly, Mon Vito. That, that the company continually gives her a microphone to buoy the division, to put those quote-unquote filler segments to get the, the cool down the audience. Doesn't that matter? Her first guest was a former TNT champion and Cody Rose. Doesn't it matter? That they had a theme song and they got a use for Reba Last Rebel in this new post, what about tooth and nail match, era Britt Baker? Does it not all matter, Jack? Doesn't it? It does matter. This is a tough, This was, it's tough getting the top 10. So I love the segment and I think that she'll have a lot of good things. She was ranked, because I have the whole thing here. She was ranked at, um, oh, she just barely missed Number 12. Boo! You sold number, out. You number sold 12. Out. <laughs> uh, and actually, as I'm looking at it right now, I think she'd probably be number 11 now that I look mm -hmm. at number 11. Number 11 was Lance Archer because he stared down two devastating stables at the same time. Uh, Are you kidding me? This lady went to work on her own show and a guy looks at guys and gets a higher rank? This thing's rigged. <laughs> he stared down Butcher, Blade, Eddie Kingston, uh, Pentagon, Phoenix and Pack all at the same time, and he punked them all out. So he that's why that's why he got bumped up. But now that I look at it, like I said, as we've talked through this, I should put Britt Baker at number eleven and him at number twelve. Um, that said, uh, one final segment for the show. This is a fun one for me. This is what I'm calling Farmers Market. That's right. This is where we always I always talk about the stock market analogy, buying stock and selling stock, where this is where I'm gonna pick someone from AEW Dark, who I think you need to buy their stock right now. And my first person who's going to get this, and they get an honorary point added to their name for this, Flobo, this is a guy I've talked about buying his stock on other people's shows multiple times. I'm going to do it on my own show now, now that I think he's already going to shoot up to superstardom. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to buy stock in any wrestler, someone who's not a star right now but very soon will be, you need to buy into Danny Limelight. He had a match where he showed out tonight against Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. Also had an amazing match on AEW Dark. I don't want to take credit for anything, but I 
did happen to have an interview with Danny Limelight right before he took off, right before he picked up uh, over for uh, primetime live. Now I'm sure it really has to do with his hard work and his amazing talent and all the amazing things he's done. But I like to, I'll just throw myself in for some credit, uh, some undeserved credit. But no, seriously, he's an amazing talent. He's going to do such good things. I predict that. Using this point system last year, he would have had like one point maybe, two points maybe. But I think he's going to have a ton of points racked up by the end of this year. He's the guy you got to buy stock in. Fair enough. I actually agree with you. And if you guys don't know about Jack Farmer's stock portfolio, he beats the market every year. Yeah, sure, for every Ricky Stark, there's a dozen powerhouse hops. But he is pretty solid. Now, question uh, when you posted that Diane Lamite's the man, he said, buy a t-shirt. Have you purchased his shirt yet, sir? I love that you asked that because I always support the people that I pick. And yeah, I go and I go buy his t-shirt. I think everyone else should go buy one of his t-shirts as well because uh, he's a star. You're going you're, you're gonna to get a better deal now than you would be getting once he has his AEW shirt, which I'm sure is coming. You don't just throw a guy in a ring with Kenny Omega without having some plans for him. He also had an amazing win against – not a win against Phoenix, a match against Phoenix uh, on AEW Dark. He tore it up as well. Um, but, yeah, go buy some Danny Limelight merch um, and tell him Jack sent you. Just, I don't know, so I can feel good about myself. I get nothing from it. Uh, but uh but yeah he's uh he's a good guy um some cool stuff uh, as uh haywood wong talking about the bodega bodega's still around haywood as far as i know bodega's still going to be uh intimidating people backstage uh which i saw firsthand uh yeah. if you um you know if you by look the way the, can we, can we say sh- <laughs> <laughs> They're probably talking about their four one ks or something. You're like oh, diversify oh. portfolios. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Shout out to the, all, all the uh, the Puerto Rican wrestlers in, in AEW, right? You got Danny Limelight, you got um, um Diamante, no Diamante is Cuban, uh, Ivelisse, yeah. uh, You know, mm-hmm. you have the um, uh, Take us a Tana, You know, also. yeah. Yeah, lots of lots of them there. And um, I was actually going to ask you, maybe as a quick side thing before we start to head out of here, um, when it comes to stables, people are very quick to to band together people of similar uh, backgrounds. Do you like that, or do you feel like it's kind of easy, or like kind of low hanging fruit? Ah, uh, that's a loaded question, and I love it. Uh, I I think it works if there is something beside. It's like in real life. You know what I'm saying? If, if you're a bunch of people from, let's say, Puerto Rico, for example, if you got San, mm-hmm. uh, Ortiz and Santana and Danny Limelight, and you gave me Ivelisse, and it was like, oh, we all are different badasses in our way, and we're bound by the flag of Puerto Rico, that doesn't bother me. Uh, but when you give like names like the Un-Americans, you know, the League of Nations, yeah. you're like, oh my goodness me, like this is not the business. So it kind of depends on like the branding of it all and what you're here for. I like that answer. It's very nuanced. It's very good. A lot of times I like it when you give me more yes, no answers, but I think like that's a nuanced question that deserves a nuanced answer. So anyways, that's the show. We're, uh, we're, we, we clocked in pretty well here, I think. So I want to ask everyone in the chat, everyone's listening, let us know if you like the show. Let us know if you like the countdown style of the show. That's what we're doing going forward, unless you guys all have pitchforks and torches and you say no we hate it but uh i feel like it's good i feel like we like it it's good let me know what you guys think let me know what your top 10 are as well again i'm gonna be keeping track of all these and we're gonna have the elite of the year at the end of the year it's gonna be fun uh flobo how do you think it went so far or how do you think the whole thing turned out 
that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to argue with you all the time. So anything we do that either here or on Draping Gold tomorrow or everything tournament tomorrow, <laughs> anything <laughs> to yell at you and say you're wrong, it's great. Yeah, you do. You do yell at me a lot. Uh, so, <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. Thanks for thanks for joining and uh, let them know where they can find you, Flobo. Oh, you can find me at Flobo Boys across all social media and learn more about the shows that Jack and I are on Draped in Gold at drapedingold.com. And of course, my name's Jack Farmer. You can find me at Real Jack Farmer across all social media, as well as arguing on everything tournament and Draven Gold and everything else around the world. I've also been working with James Lott Jr. on a few things. So if you guys know who he is, we're going to be talking music on Monday. We're also going to be doing some, uh, I'm trying out some voice acting. See how that goes. Uh, and uh, anyways, you know the drill. Until next time, do your best and be yourself.